Give a big, broad smile to your neighbor and say, welcome, welcome. All right. My, my message this morning is a very simple one, but I want to dedicate it to all the young people, all right? Uh, somebody came to me uh, some time ago and he said, every time you say young people, you say 20 and down and below. It says now you must extend it to 30. So I, I will extend it. I would love to all the young people to please stand. We want to give you a hand from 30 years down, all right? Can you just stand and let's give them all a big hand. Yes, sir. Oh, come on now, 30 years and down. Wow, there's hope for this church. Oh, come on now, the, the 31 and below and, and beyond. Amen. So remain standing, remain standing, remain standing, remain standing. Remain standing, please remain standing. This sermon I'm preaching is a dedication to you. If, if, I, if I was... If I was young like you, I would say I am sending a shout out to you. All right. So I don't know how you want to title this message, shout out to the youth, whatever you want to call it. But give our young people a big hand. This is for you and for the rest of us. You may be seated. God bless you. So this is for the young people and for all those of us who are young at heart. Amen. (laughs) Jeremiah chapter one, I'm reading from verse four. Jeremiah chapter 1, reading from verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. See, only the young people are saying amen, you see. The rest of us are saying amen in our hearts, you see. Then I said, alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth because everywhere I send you, you will go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. I want to use the simple title, Make No Excuses. The book of Jeremiah contains prophecies of this man called by God. From the scripture we've read, we know God spoke to him when he was young. The mission of Jeremiah was a difficult one in that he ministered to Israel at a time wherein they were really not doing well. And a lot of Jeremiah's ministry, he spent a lot of it ministering as a heartbroken prophet with a heartbreaking message to a generation that was moving far from God. He was called into the ministry during the time of King Josiah, one of the last kings of Judah who was a godly king. But unfortunately at this time it was one of the darkest hours. And it's in times of darkness and difficulty and problems that God always comes up with a solution to raise somebody. You know when you look at the world today so much is going wrong. So much darkness is there. In our own country we may look around and see so many challenges and problems that are there. And sometimes it might lead people to feel like there is no hope. But when you read how God works, it's in the midst of darkness and problems and challenges 
that God raises people, regular men and women like you and I, that God will raise. And Jeremiah was raised in that time, the darkest hour. And against all persecution, against all hardships, he stood his ground, proclaimed the message of God to a stiff-necked generation. I think when you read the book of Jeremiah, you read it sometime. It wasn't an easy one. Because Jeremiah, all this brother did was to try and obey God. And ministry for him didn't work out like they told us at Bible school. That is, if you do this, if you do that, your church will grow, people will listen, people will be converted. In Jeremiah's case, they tried to kill him a couple of times. And so, when you read into the book of Jeremiah, there's even a time where he really felt disillusioned. And he started cursing everything. You know? He said, cursed the day on which I was born. Cursed be the brother who came and told my mother that it's a boy who's born. He started cursing everything. But then as you read further in towards the end of Jeremiah, you know that Jeremiah started to understand something. Fulfilling a mission, it, it, it's all based on you doing what God has called you to do. How people respond is another thing. And Jeremiah figured it out later on that, you know what? The messages of God are new every morning. And God will be there to help me all the time. And so during this long ministry, he warned God's people that catastrophe is coming. That the nation will fall because of their idolatry and because of sin. And then he lived to see that prophecy come, come true. The fall of Jerusalem to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He saw the destruction of the city. The destruction of the temple. The exile of God's children into Babylon. And, and, and he then also was used by God to foretell their eventual return. That people would be restored and come back from exile. There's just something about our God that he's a God of restoration and a God who brings back. And remember, he doesn't do it just from heaven, sitting in heaven. He uses people. He uses young people like you. And I believe in this dark hour as well. In these difficult times in the world, that there are young men and young women in this place that I'm talking to this morning, that God by his spirit is talking to them. And all I'm asking you is don't make any excuse. God is attempting to change the course of the world and do so many things. Unfortunately, I didn't have the time. I was hoping I was going to bring some clips, but I noticed our program has quite a lot in it. But there's so much positive going on in the world. I saw a clip recently of a young guy who was in Australia, and he was speaking to a crowd in Australia. And, you know, at face value, when you look at him and when you listen to his accent, you wouldn't think he is from anywhere on this continent because he sounds so Australian, you know. And uh, he, he, he started talking. And then he, he said a few things and then he started saying, I'm sure many of you are not thinking that I am from this part of the world. He happens to be Zimbabwean and he's been to Australia because thankfully he came from a family that could afford to educate him. But now in Australia, he has this huge mission to try and have a, a, an organization that helps young people uh, 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 in terms of being entrepreneurs. And then he mentioned another young person, if, I, if I'm not wrong, from Berlin or somewhere, Benin rather. And, uh, but what struck me about this young man is that he and so many other young people in the world were seeing many young people and let me talk about our continent at least, because, you know, we've had so many problems on our continent. 
But somehow these young people, in spite of all that has been happening, they are conceiving a new vision of a new continent and a different continent. And they are saying, their, their words are, I'm not going to live as a victim. I'm going to do something to impact my generation. I think if you are one of those young people, you can say a better amen than that. And so in chapter one of Jeremiah, we see a number of things. Jeremiah receives a call from God. And I don't want to, I don't want to complicate this, all right? A call from God doesn't have to be spectacular. A call of God, you can use any, any description of it. It can be a burden. It can be a vision. You can call it a dream. It could be that something troubles you. It, you can say, I want to be an entrepreneur. Whatever you want to call it. You don't have to be like Moses and see the burning bush. You don't have to be like Jeremiah and have an out-of-world experience. As long as your heart is captured by something. Now that we're talking about capturing in the country right now. But a call is something that comes from God that captures your heart that you want to give your life to. God tells Jeremiah that, listen, even before I formed you, in your mother's womb, I already knew you. And not only did I know you, I already called you to be a prophet unto the nations. I'm here to tell somebody this morning that your birth was not an accident. Aren't you glad about that? God knew about you before you were born. Oh, come on, somebody here. Maybe when you were born, your parents went, oops. It was an accident. Look at another and say, I'm not an accident at all. So God speaks to Jeremiah, but Jeremiah being very young, he's overwhelmed by the task that God is giving him. He exclaims, says, no way. Not so, no God. No, you've come to the wrong address. I'm just a youth. There's no way I can pull this off. God replies, Jeremiah, no excuses. Don't say that you're just a youth. Somebody said, it's Ben Franklin who said this, excuses are tools of the incompetent and those who specialize in them seldom go far, end of quote. Let me say that again. Excuses are tools of the incompetent and those who specialize in them seldom go far, end of quote. Gabriel Muria says, he who excuses himself accuses himself. The truth is, he that is good in making excuses is seldom good for anything else. And so Jeremiah had all these excuses, but God was ready to deal with the excuses. And it is excuses often that stop people from being who they should be. Stop people from fulfilling what they should fulfill. Let's look at what Jeremiah said to God, his excuses. First of all, the first excuse he says, no, the task is too demanding. There's no way. And this is the nature of a call or a vision or a dream or something that captures your heart. Very often when you look at what you're trying to do, it looks overwhelming. It looks demanding. But that's just the nature of how God works. He's going to give you something that when you look at it and when you look at you, you kind of think, God, I think you, 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 you've come to the wrong person. All of us will always, always be looking over the fence, seeing somebody who's better than us. More capable, more eloquent, more gifted. Somebody who is much more professional in doing things or much more outgoing, you know. But it's always funny that it's only God who can call a guy who stammers like Moses and give him a job to 
to, to speak to a king who is, who, is, who, is very, who is very angry all the time. A guy who, who is very impatient and God assigns him to go and speak to that person. You may be sitting here today with a dream in your heart and when you look at it, you, look, you feel overwhelmed. Let me confess, I felt overwhelmed myself. Years ago when God called me into the ministry, 8th of July, 1979. I was just 19 years old, 18 years old. And when the call of God came in my life, I just felt this, you know, you know if, if it was left to me, if I was to be honest with you, I wouldn't be standing here in public speaking to you. I prefer a job where I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to see anybody. <laughs> if I can just work with machines, you know, they never change. They're the same every day. Even if you don't talk to them, they don't complain. Say, hey, you're not saying anything. But you see, all of us will be like that for the most part. So his first excuse, the task is not mean. Second, second excuse, he says, you know, my talent is inadequate. I can't speak. I'm inadequate. My talents don't, I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough talent. In Jeremiah 1.6, it says, I protested. Oh no, Lord God. Look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. My talents are inadequate. See, God will always equip the people that he assigns. But also remember, you can always add to your knowledge. You can always add to your skill. Yeah, you can, always, you can be a continual and perpetual learner. If you don't know how to do it this year, it's fine. It doesn't mean you'll be like that. You will learn how to do it next time. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Thirdly, the third excuse, Jeremiah says, I'm only a youth. In other words, it's not the right time. So many people want to postpone. And you know, some of us, maybe we should tell you young people, now that I'm at 56 now, you know, there's a time in my life where I used to be the youngest. Anywhere I went, I was the youngest. <laughs> no, don't say, come on too much, man. I'm getting old now, man. <laughs> I'm joking. I was the youngest. When I became pastor, I mean, I was 22 years old when I pastored the church. I was the youngest pastor. And it was so nice to be the youngest. You know, every time people came, they said, you are so young. <laughs> Until one day I went to a shop to go buy something. And this young person comes to me and said, timer. I said, oh, timer. <laughs> timer. You know, I, I went to uh, Southgate once, this two years ago. I, I don't remember what is it that I wanted to buy, but I just so happened to go into different shops. And, and then it struck me up. And I'm thinking, why are, these, why are these managers of these shops leaving these stores to all these young people? Look how young they are. They're too young. Too young to run a shop. Too young. You know, and I'm thinking. And every shop I went to, it was the same story. And I went on thinking, yes, this, they're so young. And then, and then I realized. <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was a very humbling thing. Then I realized. Oh, they're in their 20s. And I realized, it's not them who are young. It's me who's gotten old. <laughs> because when you look at it, people, it's around the world. It's people in their 20s who are running things. Yeah. It's people in their 20s. Some, sometimes even younger. So, you know, and then I realized it, it didn't take long for me to be the youngest to now when they look at you, they say, and then the children says, Mkulu! 
<laughs> but you see, it's always like that where someone feels it's not the right time. And listen to me, young people. The longer you delay, the older you are becoming Superman. Is it tears where, where Spurs, when you go to Spurs to go and eat there and then they know it's your birthday, then they bring this, this and they bring a starlight and they say, everybody come and see. <laughs> Superman is getting old. Don't you worry, don't you see? It only happens once a year. A superman is getting old and superwoman is getting old. The sooner you connect to, to your purpose, the more you will be able to fulfill your assignment. I tell you, it takes a long time sometimes. To do all that God has placed in your life. And I tell people, the earlier you start, the better. I'm telling you, do it early. I'm not saying do it prematurely, but do it early. Stop thinking, um, you're not going to be young forever. I know we sing young forever. You're not going to be young forever. Tell your neighbor, don't be sad. You're not going to be young forever. You're not going to be young forever. Yeah, we also were young at a point. Yeah. Until then, you start chasing the little kids around, and then you realize you're overheating. Get <laughs> box, <laughs> Number four. <laughs> the fourth excuse. Jeremiah says, you, You're telling me to go talk to a stiff necked people? The teaching is dangerous, or the assignment is dangerous. There are times when God sends you to do a dangerous assignment. Or calls you at a time when it's not convenient to do certain things. You've got to pluck up enough courage and do what you're supposed to do. Even when it's dangerous or even when it's unpopular. Number five. Jeremiah says, do I have to go now? And I'm paraphrasing. In other words, the timing is not right. So some of us are running away from what God is calling us to do. Some of you are running away, young people, old people, but I'm talking to young people. God is calling you. God's talking to you about your life. You have so many opportunities. You've been listening to sermons, preachings, motivational speaking, songs that are being sung. Your parents are talking to you, your brothers, your sisters, your colleagues. You, you're sitting there in the grandstand of life, happy to be a spectator. Instead of getting into the game of life and stop making excuses when doing something. Remember, Bad things happen to good people. The world we live in is not fair. And there will always be something that will be enough excuse for me not to do what I'm supposed to do. Either I'm not educated enough or I don't have enough money or I don't have the right background. I don't have confidence. I, I don't live in, on this continent. Any kind of thing we can do that. That's one of the things and I've said to, to you before. That's one of the things that I believed what needs to be the motto of our church. That we will do things for ourselves. Yes. Yeah. We are not going to be... Uh, if, people, if, 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 if we get donations and people help us, thank God. But as a church in Soweto, we are going to do things for ourselves. Doesn't matter how long it takes. But we want to learn the pain of being able to have a vision and be able to sacrifice for the vision. Yeah. And I'm glad I made that decision way back 1983. When I became pastor, I said, we're not going to be going around begging for money 
from other parts of the world, if we are helped and if we are given money, fine, we'll receive it. Thank God. But we've got to start with what we have. Yes. If you have a vision, my brother, my sister, start with what you have right where you are. Yeah. 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 Sometimes people may not believe in your dream. Your own family members may tell you it won't work. Your own friends may walk away from you. But if you know it's burning on the inside of your heart, you've got to do something about it. Am I talking to people who are alive in this place? Yeah. And I'm glad we made that decision years ago. Took us many years, and I've told you, I'll say it again, you know it anyhow. Took us 18 years to build this building. It's okay. It doesn't matter. The, the issue is not how long it took. The issue is it happened finally. Hallelujah. And now we're buying churches everywhere. Oh, we just bought three churches now. Cash to give them all the money. It wasn't like that 30 something years ago. It wasn't like that. Start somewhere. I said, start somewhere. When Paul spoke to Timothy, a young person, in 1 Timothy 4.2, he says, let no one look down upon you because you are young. Yeah. And, and how do people stop looking down upon you? When you, even if you are a young person, you, you live in a certain way. You preach a certain standard of living by being a young person who is purpose-driven, who's full of vision, who is an example who does what they should do. They told me when I started, it's not going to work. Some of them gave me time. They said, three months later, you'll be gone. Three years. You know, and they keep extending. When, when you last the three months, they say at the end of the year. <laughs> when you last one year, they said, 10 years, when we'll come and go. Here we are. We've been here for more than 30 years by the grace of God. Yeah. Give, give the Lord a big hand. Yeah, yeah. And you know, people will move to something else. If, if they can't get you in this, then they will say, all right, then your marriage won't last. And then when you beat them, they say, your children will not serve God. They're always moving somewhere. See, if you, if you have vision, understand that we, you will have people who will speak against it. Nehemiah had Sanballat and Tobiah. People will laugh and people will scorn. But you do what God says you must do. Let no one despise your youth. Look at your neighbor and say, let no one despise your youthfulness. If they're not at yet that young, say, let no one despise you that you are young at heart. <laughs> Three reasons why we shouldn't be looking down on our youthfulness or why you shouldn't be looking down on your youthfulness. Number one, God has given you a divine purpose. God always gives divine purpose for a time and a generation. The 1976 youth did what they should do. Now it's your turn. They did what was supposed to happen in their time. Times are different now. But it's your turn now. I said it's your turn now. It's your turn now. Hallelujah. Believe that God has given you a divine purpose for this generation. Yeah. If God wanted you to be born in 1805, you could have been born in 1805. And you could have been relevant for the 1805 people. But no, God wanted you to be born now. He wanted you to be a born free. Can I hear an amen? He wanted you to be a millennial. I see each and every young person here as having a divine purpose in life. 
I think young people, I seem to be more excited about it than you are here. See, this is a passion that drives me as a pastor. As we go around preaching in many parts of the world, one of the things that I'm so sensitized about is to look at how many young people are in churches. If we're not inspiring the young people, if we're not having young people in our churches, then it's just a matter of time. The church will die. We'll become like dinosaurs. Some of you, you'll become prophets like Jeremiah, like Isaiah. Some of you, you'll have the ability to influence the secular affairs like Daniel. Some of you, you will turn around the course of nations like Joseph. Ah, oh, come on, young people. I thought you would stand on your seats and say amen there. Some of you, you'll be entrepreneurs. Some of you, you'll stand up as politicians. Some of you, you'll be preachers. Some of you, you will be presidents and prime ministers or whatever it is. In the same way God called Jeremiah, God has called each and every one of you young people. And I want to appeal to the parents. You need to see and be aware of God's divine purpose in your child. Create the right environment. A conducive environment. A supportive environment. As they say in government, an enabling environment. It's unfortunate the sons of Eli had a great destiny before them. But when you read about the sons of Eli, Eli didn't help his children. He didn't discipline them and show them the way and give them guidance and inspire them. He allowed them to err in their own ways. He allowed them to continue sinning, to stifle the prospects of them being vessels that God can use. Please, I ask you, don't stifle the possibility of you being used by God. See yourself as one of those people who has God's divine purpose that has been given to you. God uses young people and you don't need to look down upon yourself. David was used by God to slay Goliath when the old people were afraid of Goliath. God used Josiah who became a king over Israel at the age of eight years. And at 16 years when he was as a youth, the Bible says he sought, the, the, he sought after God, the, the God of his father David. And at the age of 22, he began to rebuild the nation and bring revival to the land. 8, 16, 22, that's young. And we have those examples in the Bible. And whatever it is that's out there, I believe God's hand is upon the lives of young people. Yeah, God believes more in you than you believe in you. I said it's about time for you to rise up and believe in the ability of God on the inside of you. So Jeremiah, first of all, he was given a divine purpose. Number two, secondly, the reason you shouldn't look down upon yourself, number two, is because God will give you divine backing. Jeremiah, God gave him divine backing. When you read, God says, I'll be with you, I'll be with your mouth, I'll give you the words. God says, even before you came, it's me who decided how far your ministry will go. You're going to be a prophet to the nations. God is saying, Jeremiah, that you are a young person is not excuse enough. It's not good enough. Jeremiah, you have to be obedient to the task. Because you were born for this task. Oh, Jesus. You were born for this task. Our former president who has passed on, Nelson Mandela, he was born for that task. Yeah. 
Born in Kunu? In a rural place? Huh? The background he had? All of that. Doesn't matter where you were born. You were born for a task. Hallelujah. Thrown in prison 27 years. God's purpose will never fall to the ground. Yeah, your life may be interrupted. Things may happen to you. But God's vision for your life will never be frustrated and it will never be. As long as you don't allow what happens to you to imprison you. There's a lot of things that happen to us on our road to fulfilling God's destiny. All kinds of things. But you've got to believe. in what God. You know, the reason I'm talking about him is because when they interviewed him, you know, in, after he came out of prison, there's a lot of journalists who interviewed him and, and I would listen to his answers. But one of the questions that he handled so well is when they asked him, when you were in prison, did you ever think that you'd ever be come out of prison? And after he became president, they asked him, you know. And, and, and he would say, you know, when I was in prison, I was always thinking about freedom. And I knew I've given my life to a cause. You see, that's what keeps you alive. Yeah. Even when, th- when things are dark all around you, your heart must light up with the fact that I am born for a purpose. Yeah. Maybe things are not working out well for you right now. It's okay. It happens to all of us. Yeah. Weeping may endure for a night. <laughs> but joy will come in the morning. We may be pressed on every side. We may be pushed on every side. We may fall down, but we don't stay down. We may, be, we may have Satan come against us, but God doesn't forsake us. We will rise again. Yeah. Yeah. You may be coming from a very poverty-stricken background. Huh? No money. Your parents may not be supporting. You may, you may not even know who your parents are. It's okay. God says, you were born for a purpose. Yeah. Yes, it, it will, you'll have to work harder than others. You'll have, to, you'll have to maybe bend the midnight oil longer than others. You, maybe there's a lot of things you have to deal with in your life. It's fine. Mara, you will get there one day. Yeah, you know, we used to do it when, as young people at school, you know. I don't know if the young people today do it, particularly in primary school and so on. I don't know why. We, people loved to fight those days. So somehow for the whole year, they would be keeping their eye on you. And you help me, my English is not right here. They put you bumper. I don't know what to <laughs> And it's like, it's like they, they want to fix you one day. You know, so, they, so you, we wait for the whole year of schooling and all the holidays. And we're waiting for the last day at school. Because one day is one day. Anybody knows that? <laughs> one day is one day. Yeah. You have to get to a point, my brother, my sister, where you say to the devil, you know what, devil, one day is one day. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of running away from you. Sick and tired of giving in to fear. I'm sick and tired of making excuses. One day is one day. You have to be like that and stop making excuses. Can I hear an amen? You see, there are two types of responses to God's call. Number one, that those when God calls, they say, me, 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 me. <laughs> but are those like Jeremiah who says, not me, not me. The task is impossible. But heaven is always there, regardless to back you up. In the time of Elisha the prophet, 
as he was walking around with this young man and, and, and they were being attacked as a nation by other forces it's only Elisha and the young man the Bible tells us that this young man he's attended that in if you want to look at it 2nd Kings 6 verse 15 it says when the attendant of the men of God had risen out and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. So here's Elisha. He's going on to go and fulfill God's purpose. He meets a big hurdle. He comes up with a challenge. He has a great army that's coming out against him. And the young man runs to Elijah and said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? See, when you move out to fulfill God's purpose, you will have this what shall we do moment. Yeah. Yeah. The projects get stuck. Problems overtake what you're doing. All kinds of things happen. But note, I love Elisha's answer. So he answered. This is what Elisha says. Do not fear. (laughs) Why? For those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. You may be having problems that have made your projects to get stuck, but I'm here to tell you, those who are with you are more than the problems that are making your projects to get stuck. Hallelujah. Verse 17. Then Elijah prayed and said, Oh Lord God, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Note, he's not praying that God should do something. Mm. He's not praying for God's intervention, huh? This is a man who is a, he, he, he's a man who's experienced. He knows the nature of these things. He knows that there is no problem that comes your way that with it God hasn't made a way of escape. He knows that your solution comes before the problem can become a problem. He's not praying that God should intervene. He says, God, open his eyes. In other words, show him what has been there all along. Lord, open his eyes. Note what it says. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I'm here to tell you, heaven is there to back you up. Yeah. Heaven is there. See, projects may get stalled. They may get detoured. Unforeseen circumstances may come in. But don't worry. Pray that God open your eyes. There's more who are with you than those who are against you. Yeah. Heaven is backing you up. See, when God gives you an assignment, when God sends you, he will not turn his back and let you go by yourself. You may not see him. You may not feel his presence. You may not even be sure that he's there to help you. It may look like you are all there by yourself, but God is always there. Well, God will always pay for whatever he orders. And he always will equip whoever he sends his way. Hallelujah. Jesus told the disciples, take the gospel to all the world. Take it, preach, go everywhere. These are people from Galilee. These are men who come from a small town. They've never been exposed to other parts of the world. These are not guys who are such great people. You you watch how his disciples used to behave. During the ministry of Jesus, they are fighting over who's the greatest. Ha! They are afraid of this ghost walking on the water. Ha! They are fighting over all kinds of... But Jesus, even if we have petty things, God knows more about us than we know about us. And he says, go. 
The Bible says, and they went everywhere. And they preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. And confirming the word. With attesting miracles. I see the Lord working with you. Yeah, even when it's dark, when it, when it, when it looks like the project is, is just going to die, say to yourself, God opened my eyes. Not these physical eyes. Let me see with the spiritual eyes that heaven is backing me up. Somebody say heaven is backing me up. Number three. The reason you shouldn't make excuses is because God has given you divine empowerment. In the case of Jeremiah, God touched his mouth, giving him the power to speak. See, God will not leave you with a task and not empower you for the task. Yeah. Yeah. In Acts 2.17, it says, It shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. If God calls you to be a, an evangelist, God will anoint you. If God calls you to be a pastor, he'll anoint you. If God calls you to be a president, he will anoint you. See, the anointing is not something that's mystical. It's not something that's out there. You don't know how it works. The anointing is simply the presence of God upon our lives, enabling us to fulfill what God has assigned us to fulfill. That's what it is. The presence of God upon our lives. This is the way Solomon prayed when he became a king. And when he had a vision and, and God in the vision says, ask whatever I'll give you. He says, oh Lord, you, you've given me a task to lead these people. This task is too big for me. I ask you, will you give me wisdom, understanding, and discernment? In short, will you equip me for the task before me? Heaven will equip you. Oh yeah. God will equip you. And his equipping may not necessarily be in the God giving you the gifts. Sometimes God will send other people. I mean, you look at the church. There's no way I could play the drums. I don't know. No, don't say a loud amen now. <laughs> Couldn't play a bass guitar. I mean, you look at all this. I mean, all these young people on the cameras, they're doing the screens. They're the ones who did all this whatever. What you call it? <laughs> My mother used to say, dengis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the church we have people, you know, even in our leadership, it's different people. Everybody has their own style and approach. Yeah. When God calls you, he'll always make sure that there's enough resources. Yeah. Even human, human resources to fulfill the vision. God will empower you. Can you say amen? Some of you, you'll go forth to the nations of the world. You have an assignment. Let me conclude with this. You know, we, from my age, you you all know that our our best computer games, (laughs) which we had first exposure to, was Pac-Man. That's many years ago. I wonder how you say amen because you don't know about Pac-Man. Maybe there's a, there's a, a different version. And, 
and, and, and, and in, our, in our computer games, if you played these games, if they killed you, you died. First time they kill you, you gone. Finish and clear. But then, my, 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 my boys, when they were still young, they were playing one of these video games. Can I Even my language is so old. Yeah? PlayStation, yeah, yeah, PlayStation. You can see. I only know Pac-Man. I don't know PlayStation. So, so I joined them, you know. So, and, you know, it, 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 it was so different. So yeah, I'm playing, so they killed me. So then I wanted to go, they said, no, no, no. You still have five more lives. <laughs> so, so we played, and then they killed me for the second time. And then I did something and I got one life back. Anybody knows that? <laughs> it was my, I wasn't used to that concept. Anyhow, you can tell they did win finally. <laughs> but you know, think about it. In real life, you don't have five lives. <laughs> that you are here on earth is the one chance, the one and only life that God's given you to make an impact and to live out your destiny. Once you check out, your, your opportunity is gone. You, you can't come back, Pac-Man, and have another life. And this is why the urgency of starting early and the criticalness of staying on with God's mission. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Let me tell you, because we, we, you know, as you, as you age, you don't realize you're aging. And it's later on in life when you look back, you realize how precious time is. Of all the things that we can just press a retrieve button and retrieve or backup, that's the one thing we can't do. We can't press a retrieve button for time lost. We can't. We can't. And some of you young people, you're busying yourself with other things. God's given you a dream. God's given you a mission. You are in a home where your parents are supportive. You are in a church where something life is preached to you. You are living in a time in this country where at least opportunities are there. It may not be perfect. But you think you have three more lives. Truth is you don't. And my question to you is, what are you going to do with your one and only life? What are you going to do? Because you know, things in life can change so quick. Oh goodness. One of the things we've learned to say when we've come back, and when I tell people, I say we've come back by the grace of God. Because there are those who boarded a flight and never made it back. That those who got located, unfortunately, somewhere where there was a suicide bomber. And they never lived to see the following day. Once you check out, that's it. Yeah, I know we will live in eternity, 
But the bigger question that bothers me is the day I stand before God and he asks me about my life. Can I say like Paul? I've run the race. I have finished. I tell you. If there's a prayer I'm praying more these days more than any other things. God help me finish. Because the more you go is the more you realize how hard it is to finish. I don't know if you've been there, but I don't know where you've planned everything. Things should work out as planned. But for what? Some reason. Something just comes and disturbs. And things don't work out the way you planned. That you were able to build. If you read the Old Testament, one of the things I saw last year, it was, it was striking me, is the emphasis, so and so built and finished. So and so built and finished. And I, and I read about Solomon, about David, about this one. They, they built and they finished. They built and they finished. And they built and they finished. Then I realized, you know, it's possible to start and not finish. Because other things intercept you. Or maybe you got the timing wrong. Are you going to make excuses forever? Are you going to think you're going to be young forever? Are you going to postpone forever? Because Superman, you're getting old. Superwoman, you're getting old. And there's nothing as frustrating as having a dream in your heart. But your body doesn't cooperate. Goodness. I've seen several people like that. Frustration. Don't run. Huh? Years ago, one of our family members passed on. And before they passed on, they got very sick. And we went to visit them. Mom and I. And, and as we were talking to them, we saw them looking over through the window at the street, people passing. <laughs> looking at people passing. What? And then she said something that rattled me. She said, you see what those people are doing? I used to walk like them. You know, we're there around Christmas time. You thought the, the biggest gift you can buy them is a car. Maybe you think they, can, they want a Lamborghini. Say, no. Biggest gift I wish I could have is to be able to walk again. And they said, I can't walk anymore. Think about it. Can't walk, can't read, can't remember. Everything that you could have done when you reach that stage, even if you are still alive, this body can't do it. Oh. That you are still young, strong, and vibrant. My goodness, it's a gift from God. My goodness, don't fill your body with alcohol and drugs and use your body for other things. Please, I beg you. Remember your creator in the days of your youth when the time comes. That you are young and strong. Start early. Start now. It may be small. It may be insignificant. But God will be with you. From today, no more any excuses. From today, let your life be an offering to God. Give myself away, Jesus. I give myself to you, Jesus.
Let that be your prayer today. Whatever is there that's taking your attention away from doing what's right, get rid of it today. And make a decision that's going to change your life forever and forever in Jesus' name. Bow your heads, please. Thank you, Jesus. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Please, I ask people not to move around. Only the ushers, please. People could take the seats. Could you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? It's a holy moment. We want to pray and, and make a commitment to God. We, we didn't come here just to sing and say things. We, we came here that God will deal with our lives. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself.